We're finishing up today our final week in this three-week parenting series called Survival Guide for Parenting. Now, listen, this, this, this is our final week. It's been a little bit of a bittersweet series for me. Maybe, I don't know if it has for you, but, but uh, if you're a parent, like if you've been a parent for one day, you've got regrets, right? You got, oh my God. How many times is a parenting is a school of failure in a lot of ways? Because there's so many things we wish we could go back and do differently. And we're hearing these biblical principles and I'm going like, whoa, I kind of wish I had done that in my life like 20 years ago or 20 days ago. And so, you know, but at the same time, we're learning God's wisdom and we're getting this sense of hope and this sense of like, this is what God can do in a family and this is what God can do in the life of our kids, you know, in spite of our failures and our weaknesses as parents. And so in this whole series, what I've been trying to do, since so I haven't been with you guys in the series yet, just to tell you, I've had four goals that I'm trying to accomplish in this series. Number one is I want to show you some applications of these principles beyond parenting. Because I know a lot of you are not parents at this point. And so, you know, that how do these principles apply to you? And I want you to, to see that there's a reason to keep listening because it'll make a difference for you. And then secondly, we wanted to give you some practical wisdom and some practical help just as a parent to say, here's some ideas, some frameworks, some um, just tips, if even that, to say, hey, that you can uh, figure this out as a parent. If you can do some of these things, you'll be more successful. But on the other side of that, I've also really wanted to be honest and vulnerable with you about my own parenting experience. So you know I'm not just up here uh, talking to you about stuff that I've mastered or, or stuff that, you know, I'm just talking from an ivory tower. But as a, as a parent now for many years, um, I've had my share of ups and downs just like you. And then the most important thing I wanted to weave in each week of this series, we'll talk about today as well, is how does parenting relate to the big picture of the gospel? What Jesus has done for us, the good news story of God's grace toward us in the person of Jesus Christ. Because I want to tell you what I told uh, to our Logan campus last week. I want to make sure you understand that there's no parenting success that you can achieve that will ever make God love you more than He does now. And the reverse is true as well. There's no parenting mistake, no parenting failure that you've ever done or that you will do in the future that could possibly make God love you less. Do you understand that? Because God's love for you as a Christian, if you're in Christ, is unconditional because of what Jesus has done for you, because of God's heart for you and what He's done for you. And so what that allows us in parenting, it allows us that, that grace, that gospel means that we have the safety and security to be super honest and open with God about what's going on in our own lives. We have the security to be able to look in the mirror and see the flaws and see warts and all and look at our lives and say, God, you know what? I'm messing up in here. I really need help here. Why? Because we have that, that safe place, that cocoon of God's unconditional love that allows us to know that I can be completely honest about my parenting failures and know that God loves me still unconditionally in Christ. And at the same time, the, the flip side of it is, is that that helps us then to live, even though I'm totally honest with all my mistakes and failures, that I can live without self-condemnation. How many parents live in self-condemnation thinking, oh man, I blew it, I, my, my kids are going to suffer because of me, and, 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 but because God loves you unconditionally in Christ, that, then there's this sweet 
perfect place between open and honesty with God, but without being uh, condemning yourself and beating yourself up for those failures. And that's just what we want to achieve today. Now, last week we talked about discipline and what it is and why we do it and how to do it in love and why it's a loving thing and some practical understanding of that. Well, today is kind of a, coming at parenting from a different perspective. It's almost kind of like the yin and the yang of parenting because today we're going to talk about affirming our kids and how much they need us to do that. And, and if as a parent you can find that balance between discipline and affirming, man, then you're really, really doing a great job. Now, I have to say, Affirming my kids, it's not come natural to me. Right? For some of you, it's the easiest thing in the world. For some of you, if you're like me, it didn't come naturally. Because I grew up in a loving home, and my parents you know, cared about us, and they provided well for us, and they gave us a good moral framework and so forth, but they were not very affirming. We just didn't get a lot of like attaboys growing up in my home. And so this is the this is the hand that I've been dealt, in a sense, as a parent. I'm trying to do better, you know. When, we, when you first have kids, you think, I'm going to do better than my parents. And then later on in life, you realize, oh, maybe um, I'm not doing that much better than my parents at all. And it took me a while to really f- to get this idea. Later in life, I started, finally started to get how important it is to affirm our kids. Now, you may not think of this as a parenting essential. When I say, what are the five key things about parenting that really you really got to get? Man, I put this right in there. And, and if you haven't thought of it that way, I hope you will today. And not just for parenting, but for every relationship in your life. To be an affirming person, to be that positive person toward. You know, you're not, I'm not talking about blowing smoke. I'm not talking about being inauthentic. We'll talk about that later, insincere. But to find ways to affirm the people in your life, including your kids. So here's where we're going to learn about that in the Bible. First of all, Matthew chapter, uh, well, the Gospel of Matthew has two, uh, uh, two verses we're going to look at where God the Father spoke publicly about the Son, and both times it was to affirm Him. Okay, so... This idea of affirming your kids, this is not just some kind of pop psychology. This is not just, okay, every kid gets a trophy. Right? This, this is rooted in God's character as we see God manifested in Scripture. If we want to be shaped like Him, then, then we're going to follow this too. So Matthew chapter 3, this is the baptism of Jesus. He comes to John the Baptist to be baptized at the very beginning of His public ministry. And as He comes up out of the water, it says, A voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. That's the voice of God. And then couple years later, there's another incident that very much mirrors this, when Jesus took his three closest followers up into the mountain, and they had, and he revealed himself, his divine nature, his divine identity, kind of pulled back the veil and let his divine uh, power shine through. It's called the transfiguration, a very powerful moment. And, And there on the mountain, it says, out of the cloud, a voice spoke, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. So three things come out of this about what we mean by affirmation. Three things. Number one is, is God, the father accepted Jesus. He says, this is my son. He owned it. He owned Jesus. He said, this is my son. He accepted him. Then he adored him. He said, this is my dearly loved son. He was crazy about him. And then 
The third thing is he approved of him. He said, he brings me great joy. Listen to him. And so those are, that gives a little bit of a sense of what we mean by affirming our kids. We're going to accept them and, and express our, 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 how much we love them and adore them, and we're going to approve of them. Now, you might be saying, well, look, that's easy for God because his son was Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He had a lot he could approve of. You don't know my kids. If my kids were perfect, I would approve of them a lot more too. But here's what I want you to understand is that God also affirms you. He affirms us as his children, even though we're not Jesus, even though we're very imperfect. We blow it all the time. And so, for example, in 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. He says he loves us very, very much. If you're in Christ, he's adopted you as his child. He chose you. He wanted you. That's how he thinks about you. And so you don't have to be Jesus to be highly valued by God. And that's how we want to look at our kids. We want to look at ourselves that way. We want to look at our kids that way and help them experience that in their lives as well. So for me, I just want to be more aware of what I say to my kids and, and how that comes across to them. I know that in the, you know, one of my things I look back and I say as a parent is it was so easy to be negative about my, my kids because like, it's like, and how could you make a decision like that? Or, what, you didn't do your homework yet? Or, I mean, there's a million things in life. You go like, oh, my kids are driving me crazy. I'm tearing my hair out. Like, you, what? You said what? It's so easy, be, it's easy to become critical of them because we just want, we want so much. We have the great hopes for them. And so it's easy to lay it on. And that's, that's what they hear from us. That's what they feel from us is all the ways that, that they could be better. They could be doing more, you know, that they fall short. And my kids are grown. But it's still easy to have those critical moments at times to say, wow, man, I wish he had done that. I wish he had, you know, whatever it might be. Because um, our, our kids are human. They're fallible just like us. But what I've learned with, as a parent of adult children, I've learned that my children will never outgrow their need for affirmation and acceptance and approval from their dad. Okay, so start young, it goes on for the rest of life. And this is why it's so important. We see that this is modeled by God himself. Now here's the follow-up on that, is that if the perfect son of God received words of affirmation from his father, how much more do our imperfect kids need affirmation from their parents, from us? Now Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus didn't really need God's affirmation to know who he was, to know his mission, to know his value. He was God in, in the flesh. And yet that, that still had, I believe, it had an important role of helping him in his humanness, clarifying uh, the mission that he was on. So I think it was important even for his psychology as a, as a human being, truly human but truly God. But look at us, man. We're broken. We're imperfect. We, we mess up all the time. And so how much more do we need? How much more do our kids need? How much more does our spouse need? Do our friends need affirmation? Whatever affirmation that we can give them. Now, sometimes that happens with words. Sometimes it also happens with actions. You know, actions speak louder than words. We've, we tell our kids that, right? So Ephesians chapter 4 is an example of that. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. 
What did your parents do when you were growing up to the word in some like transitions, translations is exasperate. Don't exasperate. What did your kids do to provoke you, to exasperate you, to make you mad? I'm sure, I mean, when, remember when you were a teenager? You, you're, the list was probably as long as your arm. I mean, all they did was talk, was open their mouth, right? And that was exasperating, right? If they showed up with you in public, anywhere near you, right? That was like, no, but there were some legitimate things too. And he says, parents, let's be aware of that. I mean, for me, I... Um, I remember the biggest grievance I had through my parents as I was growing up is that, that they never came to any of my events. They never came to the track meets or the games or the concerts or anything like that. Now, in retrospect, I can give them a little bit of slack because they were parenting 10 children. And so, like, they didn't have a lot of bandwidth to spread around. So I thought, okay, well, just once a month. You could give us each once a month at least, and you have a couple months off. You know, but so it was hard as a kid because the way it came across to me was that I don't even count enough for you to show up at something that I'm doing, you know. And so we, we think about that as a parent now, say, are there some ways that we do that to our kids? Our actions show them either our affirmation or our lack of affirmation. And so Ephesians 4, he says, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so forgiveness and grace are one way to communicate affirmation. Our actions speak. Now, you know, we're not perfect parents. Our kids are not perfect kids. I think sometimes our kids expect us to be perfect parents. And to be honest, sometimes we expect our kids to be perfect kids. Right? We, have, we have these high goals for them and so forth. But, you know, but we're not. But here's the thing. Jesus did not die for perfect people. Jesus died for broken people, for needy people, for sinners, for people who don't have it together. He died for failures so that we can be forgiven. So when your kids mess up, how do you handle that? Do you handle that in, in light of this with forgiveness? When you mess up, how do you handle that? And so this is where we go back to the gospel. This is how we handle it, by coming back to the fundamental, essential gospel, that the good news of God's work in humanity through Jesus Christ. Because that, that gospel, that's how we came into relationship with God in the first place. We recognized the need. We became convicted of our need. Maybe the wheels fell off in life. We recognized that we needed a Savior, that we couldn't do this ourselves. We could never be right with God on our own, and our own worthiness. We weren't worthy, and we came to that place of brokenness and humility. And we, we called out to God for what only He could do. We entrusted our life and our eternity into the, the hands of Jesus and what He'd done for us on the cross. That's, that's the good news of how we start a relationship with God. And I hope, by the way, that, that that's your experience, that you've come to the place where you've entrusted your life and your eternity to Christ. But now that you're a Christian, then how do we handle it when we fail? Well, the same way. It's exactly the same way. It's just that we come back to square one again and we say, look, I recognize my need. I recognize my weakness, my failure, my brokenness. And in humility, I come and I bring that to the cross again. And I say, Jesus, I know you forgave this, but I need you to do in my life what only you can do. I need you to help me overcome this. I need you to empower me. I need your wisdom. I, I need what you can provide that I don't have. That's the gospel. 
We're always coming back to square one over and over and over again in our lives, living out this truth of God's merciful provision through Jesus Christ because of His love and His grace for us. And so, like Ephesians says here, because we're forgiven, then we can extend forgiveness and acceptance and favor to someone else. As people who have received favor from God, who've been accepted by Him, then just as He forgave us, then we turn it around and we can extend that to other people, including what? Including our kids. And so, our actions communicate affirmation to our kids. But words also do that. We know that. Um, the Bible talks about the power of our words a lot. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, 16, verse 24, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. Words have so much power in the human soul. You know, they say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. Words can be very harmful. Words can be so healing and so helpful, bringing life, bringing sweetness, bringing nutrition and healthiness to the human soul. And I think a lot of times my words as a parent were not always kind. We're not always life-giving to my kids. Now our job as parents, we learned last week, is to teach our kids right and wrong, to help them to get on the path of right and to stay on, know how to stay on that path. So they follow God as they grow up, they follow God on their own. But that's not the whole job. I believe an equally important aspect of our responsibility as parents is to help kids see their worth, to see their worth to God and their worth to us. And we talked last week about how as you begin to, as kids learn to obey their parents, then that transfers over, they can begin to learn to obey God as adults. And the same thing is true as kids come to understand that we value them, then over time that transfers over that they can experience how much God values them as well. So here's, here's a verse I love in the Old Testament. Speaking of Israel, you know, if you, if you know the history of Israel, you know how messed up they were and how many times they just, uh, just really went against God and offended Him in so many ways. But the Lord has declared today to Israel that you are a people for His treasured possession. In Christ, God treasures you. He treasures your kids. And Kids need to know that God treasures them to know that we treasure them as well. Now, here's a big picture. One last thing about this. When we, when we affirm our kids, then what happens in their life is it begins to give them confidence, the right kind of confidence, right? The, wor the world's going to tear them down. The world's going to just drag them down and, and attack them in so many different ways. Other kids are going to demean them. Uh, you know, throw rocks on them, so to speak, bully other kids. Adults are going to say stupid things to your kids that are going to, they're going to last. They're going to wound and scar. But when we teach our kids, when we affirm them, that gives them confidence to face that kind of stuff. It gives them confidence to stand up for themselves, to stand up for what they believe. It gives them confidence to be able to honor God in their life, even when all the people around them are not doing that. It gives them confidence to persevere and hang in there when life gets tough and, and difficult. They could be resilient. 
And so when our kids are confident, they're confident because we have believed in them and they've seen that in our lives. They're confident for all the right reasons. When they're confident in their identity in the family and they're confident in their identity in Christ, what happens is that, that they, they can change the world. Here's a, here's a verse, I, I, this is a cool verse, I think, in Psalm 127. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. So when you're affirming your kids, it's like you're putting an arrow on the bow and you're launching that, that child forward into God's purpose and plan for their life. And when we're helping them create that right kind of confidence, boom, we send them flying in a way that's going to make an impact in the needy world around us. That's why this is an essential part, I think, about parenting is that we affirm our kids. Now, I know maybe some of you are thinking, again, you know, it's not just that my kid isn't Jesus and perfect. My kid's way on the other side, and, and my, I've had so much trouble and challenge with my children that I don't even know if there's anything that I can find to affirm anymore. But you know what? Every kid, even the most challenging ones need and deserve our affirmation. The question is how. And so I'm going to suggest a few practical things um, that, that can help you become an affirming, more affirming parent. And not just a parent, but uh, this, these things can help us to become more affirming in every relationship in our life. And they can help us whether our kids are angels or not. And so just a few practical things. We're going to use the alphabet here to help us out. First, I want to give you three B's, okay? Three B's. First is be intentional. Again, I grew up where this was not expressed. This is not my love language. I still feel very awkward uh, when people affirm and praise me for something like that because I just didn't learn that growing up. And so I have to be intentional about it. So I was just working on this message earlier in the week, and and my daughter was coming over that afternoon. We had something we needed to work on together. And so I thought, oh, this is my chance, you know. I'll put this into practice. And I'm going to just give her a lot of affirmation today. And, and she came in and we're working on something like that. We got the job done. She left. And then I realized, oh, I totally forgot. <laughs> I totally forgot. Well, that's, thank you for text messaging. Right? So I could, I could thumb out a text to her that along those lines. But, but I need to be intentional about it. And, you know, sometimes if you're like me, it's okay to put it in your to-do list, you know, to, to make a goal. It's not insincere just because it's on your list. It still counts to say, I'm going to give one word of encouragement to each of my kids today. Boom, and it comes up, boom, you do it, you cross it off. That's how you learn. You know, maybe that, if you're like me, that's what it takes to learn. And there's, there's plenty of things we can find in the life of our kids um, to affirm them. But we have to be intentional. Now, that leads to the second B, and that is to be authentic. I want to be as natural and honest about this as I can. Our kids are pretty good at discerning when we're, when we're just blowing smoke, right? Um, if you're insincere, if, you're just, if they think you're just making something up because it was on your assignment list for this week. So we've got to stop and think a little bit about it and try to figure out what are the things that we can really affirm that we maybe need to affirm? Because every human being has traits and qualities that are worth affirming. Even your re uh, rebellious teenager has things that can be, aff be affirmed if you stop and think about it for a minute. You know, you can say, hey, maybe, we, hey, we don't agree on all the things about how to live your life or whatever, but I just want to let you know I'm really proud of you uh, because you're this or because you're that. And so even the negative characteristics 
that drive us nuts about our kids um, can have a positive side. So I learned this because we have one of, our, one of our children is kind of a conspiracy theorist. Kind of a nut about that, actually. In my, and we don't agree on almost anything in the whole world. But I was able to offer this affirmation. I said, look, I, can, I don't agree with, with your perspective on that, but I do appreciate how much time you put into researching and, 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 and learning about these kind of things. Left it right there. I didn't go on to say, I wanted to go on and say, but you're reading all the wrong sources, and etc. I didn't need to go on there. I didn't need to do that. But I could give him an affirmation, even in the middle of something that like, you know, can sometimes drive me nuts. So be authentic. The third thing is be unique, because each of our kids are different, uh, especially if you have more than one child. You know, one of them, you might want to compare them, and that, that's, that's, that can be fatal sometimes in, in this. But you want to celebrate that child, even if they aren't like other kids. And let me put it differently. You want to celebrate especially if they're not like other kids because that means that's their unique signature. That's the unique person that God had made them to be. And, and you, you're communicating that you value them as they are, not as the person that you hope they'll be or want to be. I mean, I, we all have dreams for our kids, right? My son is really good at baseball. And so I was super disappointed when, you know, like in early high school, he decided he'd, he'd done with baseball, didn't want to play anymore. So like, oh, how could I affirm, how could I possibly affirm soccer? Oh my gosh, that's hard for me to do. But I could do it, right? So, so we have to be authentic, has to be unique. And so these three Bs, be intentional, be authentic, be unique. And I'd encourage you parents, this is a good exercise to sit down together and say, let's talk about our kids. Let's talk about the things that we're going to affirm. Let's make a plan. Let's brainstorm together the things that, that bring them to mind, you know, so that we're aware of some things that, oh, oh, did they did th- do this? I wasn't aware they had just done that. I, got, I want to affirm that. You can work on this together as parents. And if you're a single parent, there's people in your life who can help you with that too, that be, can, can be a sounding board for you. Maybe other people who know your child, and who know you that can give you some input on how to affirm your kids. So we have three B's, and now I want to do three T's, okay? I promise that I'm only going to do two letters of the alphabet today, all right? So hang on, hang in with me, right? This is really practical. This is super helpful. Um, the first one is talk. This is like a how-to, right? How to affirm your kids. Three ways to affirm them. One is talk. In other words, the power of words. We talked about that already, Right? And, of course, this reply applies to every relationship in our life that we find ways to express it. It touches some people more than it touches others, but everyone appreciates when we express verbally our affirmation for them. Now, my problem is I'll think it, but then I won't say it. I'll have all this affirmation for someone in my head, but then I won't articulate it. Well, what good is that to anybody, right? So talk is number one. The second one is time, because time reflects what our values are, what our priorities are. It's what we give our time to. And so sometimes as parents, we have to make a decision that we're going to sacrifice something meaningful to us in order to make time for something that's even more meaningful to us, and that is our relationship with our kids. To make time for them. And I'm not just talking about being in the same room together. I'm not talking about TV time. But focused, intentional time. Look me in the face time. Let's do something that you love to do. Let's listen to what is on your heart and on your mind. Now as a teenager, I spent a lot of time with my dad. 
but it wasn't this kind of time. So basically, usually how it happened was he was under, on the floor underneath the car fixing something, and um, I was sitting on a stool in the garage waiting for him to ask for a tool. I was his tool caddy, right? I, so I know, all the, I know all the wrenches, and I know the difference between an open end and a box end, and a, you name it, and a one-quarter drive and a three-eighths drive and all the rest. Now, I wish my dad had brought me under the car with him and to say, this is how you do this. This is how you change the starter motor. Let's do it together. So it was time spent together, but it wasn't time focused on, you know, me at all and, and, and affirmation and approval um, of me as a human being. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about time that you set aside that really focuses on that individual child where you communicate to them, you're valuable to me. And the third one is touch. Kids need physical affection, each one in their own way. Maybe it's a hug, maybe it's a high five, maybe it's a arm around the shoulder, and each of your kids is going to have a different way that speaks to them. For my daughter, she loved to have her feet stroked. We'd sit on the couch, just like a cat, I guess, you know, kind of like, and that just made her feel like she was important and valuable to me. My son liked to wrestle, and he's really physical. In fact, when he, somewhere in around fifth grade or something like that, he, his way of expressing his affection, he'd come up and he'd just pop me in the gut, bam! with everything he got. And as he got older and older, that, like, that couldn't happen anymore. We had to have a little talk about that. But he liked to wrestle, and it was physical. The, fact, the point is that, that we learned learning to spend time, learning to express it in talk, learning to express it in touch. So hopefully those are some practical things. But, but let me tell you, let me close by just telling you a little bit about how God worked in my life to help me learn to be more affirming as a person, given the background I had. You know, I, I told you how I grew up without a lot of expression of approval. It wasn't a negative thing. It wasn't like my parents would say demeaning things or put us down or anything like that. It's just that there was just, you know, an absence of the positive things. There's no attaboys in there or anything like that. Um, we grew up with high expectations. And so, for example, you know, if you got an A in a class in school, well, that was just a given. So we never got praised for that or approval for that. It was just what was expected. That was kind of like the baseline. So it's kind of hard to go above that, but that was the way it was. And I wasn't always aware in my younger years of the hole that that had really created in my heart. I wasn't aware till some time later. What happened in 2010, 2010 was it? It was a tough year, 29, 2010 was a pretty tough year, and I was very soul-tired. And somebody that I know noticed that, and they, they uh, invited me to go on this retreat with a few other pastors up into the mountains. We went into the Rockies of Colorado, and we had to do some preparation in advance and some spiritual work, and there were some, some things we were uh, instructed to think about and some things to work on before we went up. But we went up in the mountains... And spent all week that long. We had a lot of fun. We also did a lot of spiritual guidance and, and really grappling with things together. In, in, up in, you know, we packed in. Thank God for llamas. And um, thank God for our cook who came along with us and cooked up our fresh trout and everything like that. It was a great experience. But the culmination of it was the final day. The final day was a Sunday, Sunday morning. There were like eight of us in the group. And they sent each of us with our Bible 
to a separate corner of the mountain. So I went up to this place. Nobody's around, no distractions, just me and God and the beauty of his creation and my, and my Bible to work through and kind of bring to a conclusion all the things that we'd been working on that week, to have that, that intense, intimate time with God, Bible open. And God really, really met me there in a very, very powerful way. And it wasn't what I expected. Because I had gone up to the mountain to talk to God about the future of my ministry and my, my career, vocation, what, what, what choices come next and so forth. God had a completely different agenda and that's what happens when you get open before Him and honest before Him. And that morning, uh, this gets kind of emotional for me, but that, I think I might have got it out of my system in the first service. We'll find out in a, in a second. But for the first time as a 50-something-year-old person, um, I wept openly for that, oh, here it comes, for that lack of affirmation that I had received as a child. Wept openly for the first time. God just touched something in my heart, and he, and he released it. He released that thing. I wasn't even maybe that aware of it, but he released it. And, and then as I'm praying there, grappling with God and praying on that, up in the mountains, it, it starts to rain, just a light, gentle rain, and I felt like heaven weeping. I felt like God said, I'm, I weep with you. And, and he, in, in my spirit, I don't, I don't hear audibly from God, but at least I never have. But in, in my spirit, I felt like God was just really telling me, I love you. I approve of you. I affirm you. I'm pleased with you. It was a healing a healing that took place. I, and I forgave my parents that, that morning. They, they, it wasn't intentional. They are doing the best they could. They are uh, playing the hand that was dealt to them in, in their life. They didn't know Jesus. But God dealt with me and met me in that moment and brought this healing into my heart. <clears throat> and at the same time, as I came down off the mountain that morning, I also knew God was also telling me clarifying for me what my role in the life of my kids was now to be. They were grown at the time, so there was no, they were no longer under my discipline. I didn't have to worry about, you know, helping them find the, the path or whatever uh, or correcting their behavior. They're living on their own. And so God says, look, here's your job as a parent for the rest of your life. You're going to be the biggest cheerleader in the world for your kids. And you're going to be the voice that affirms them and encourages them and believes in them when nobody else does and even when they mess up that's going to be your job and I haven't always fulfilled that the best I could but it was life changing moment and, and it honestly it cha it's changed our relationship and I feel like that has brought a ton of healing into my life and to theirs going forward so parents your kids need your affirmation don't shrug this off Maybe, maybe, you know, you can, you can do better than your parents did because Jesus is at work in your life. And so even when you blow it, even when you fail, he's at work and his grace is enough to forgive you and to restore you. And you, you fall down and you get up and you keep moving forward in dependence on him and his strength and his guidance in your life. And you're going to be able to impart something to your kids that's just powerful and life-changing as you affirm them 
as God has affirmed all of us.